just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. It's a Friday. We're headed into a weekend. I'm sure a lot of folks out there are excited. I'll be honest with you. Once you retire, oftentimes you don't know what day it is. This happens to me all the time because you don't have to get up at any specific time. You don't have to be any place. So there's no reference point to remind you of what day it is. I mean, it could be Saturday. Fact is, every day seems like Saturday. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, every day is like Saturday. That would be cool. And you know what? It is. Now, I'm not saying this to rub it in anybody's face. I'm saying it because there's a lot of people out there of a certain age listening to this podcast. People who are of my era, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later. But there are a lot of folks that feel like they've got to work till they die. And I know a lot of people that have. And that's a mistake. That is a mistake. People worry about money. And I understand you have to be in the proper position to retire so you can survive financially. And that's important. But if you are in a position of retiring, and you could do it right now, But you're just iffy about it. It's a scary step. I mean, you worked your whole life. Now, all of a sudden, you can do what you want to do, where you want to do it, and when you want to do it. But it's a scary step. People hate changes. I'm here to tell you, if you're on the edge right now and you're thinking about it, do it. Do it. We spend our lives working hard, going to school, getting married, having kids, working your ass off, trying to prepare yourself for the time you retire. You know, I have this argument with a financial planner, not the one we have now. He's very good. But I've had this argument with financial planners. Say you have a 401k or some kind of investment thing, okay? And you put the money in it all the time, all the time, and they say, don't spend it. Save it for when you need it, when you're older. Then you get older and you sit down with them and they say, you got to be careful. Don't spend this. I said, dude, I was saving this all my life so that I could spend it when I needed it now. Now you're telling me not to spend it. And I think this is where the scam is. They take your money, take your money, take your money. Tell you not to spend it. And then when it comes down to the point that you're supposed to spend it, they say, no, you got to hold on to it. You can make more for next year and the year after and the year after. I don't know if I'm going to be here two year afters from now. I don't want to leave much on the table. I want to leave my kids some things, and we've set aside some things for them. But we saved our whole life to do this, so we're going to fucking do this. I'm convinced what their goal is is to make you save your money then talk you out of using it so that when you die, it goes to your kids. (laughs) And now these same motherfuckers go, listen, you want to hold on to that money. You want to save it for when you get old and you need it. And they just keep recycling this shit so nobody spends the money they earn. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they keep making their percentage, and you never get to use your money. So fuck that. Enjoy your life. 
enjoy what you've done to prepare for your retired life. But do it while you still can. I know people who have worked till they died, and uh, I don't want to do that. I want to enjoy life, enjoy my grandkids, enjoy traveling, enjoy my wife. Do whatever, but do something. All right, enough about that. Of course, we've got some emails, as we normally do. This one comes from a woman by the name of Jennifer. I have a sister named Jennifer. Actually, my favorite of two sisters is Jennifer. The other one's kind of a fucking Trump humper, so I don't talk to her much. Anyway, (laughs) the reason I bring that up about my sister is because (laughs) the, 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 the title line in it says, I think we have the same father. And then she says, yep, pretty sure we did, yep. <laughs> now, the reason she's saying that, and I get that from a lot of people, because I talked about my father a number of times in the podcast. And just to simply state it, my father was a sociopathic, pathological liar, narcissist. He was a fucking mini-Trump before Trump was Trump. Um, not a good guy. He didn't treat my mom well. He wasn't the best father he was pretty much a pain in the ass. I haven't talked to him for many years. Um, and people will say, you got to talk to your dad. You can't live with that hate. I don't hate my father. I'm a grandfather now. I'm a father now. I don't need a daddy. And the whole reason I never really talked to him, because everywhere he went, he had a dark cloud. And it was one thing to grow up with that dark cloud, under that dark cloud, but I didn't want that dark cloud over my family, my kids, and now my grandkids. It's a matter of survival for my family. Anyway, she says, I think we had the same dad. Now, you said that jokingly, <laughs> but you don't know my dad. <laughs> That's distinctly fucking possible, because he kind of played around a little bit. Anyway, she said... It made me a stronger person. Left home at 13 and best decision ever. Can you imagine how bad things have to get if you leave your home at 13 and you still think it's the best decision you ever made? Well, congratulations. You have to be a tough woman to be able to get out of the house at 13 and survive. So kudos to you. She says, thanks for no more awards talk. Yeah, I've had about enough of Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock. I just I just don't fucking care. And then she says, can't they get the records from the people, Trump liar? I don't have a burner phone spoke to. It seems that would confirm his convos during that seven plus hours. Yeah, I think they do have... Uh, some other information. While there's a dead spot of seven hours, they know about at least two phone calls that happened from the official White House phones. So I'm sure they do have a lot of other verified calls by people on the other end. Of course, they interviewed 700 people, so they looked at their phones too. Yeah, I believe they probably do have all that information. And of course, she always sends along some suggested hashtags. And I, and I think she does this out of uh, tongue-in-cheek because they're a little long. First one goes, hashtag Trump LaFucks do nothing but lie. Hashtag please help the little people. Hashtag the poverty in kids is sad. Hashtag keep up the good work. Hashtag your wife isn't wrong with the C word. <laughs> That's a previous show. 
hashtag pediatric NNP on TikTok. She wants a little promo. Check her out. Pediatric NNP on TikTok. And the last one is hashtag. This might resemble stalking. <laughs> All right, it's it's fine, Jennifer. I don't I don't feel pressured or or scared yet, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, another gentleman who's written before, his name is Bruce. He says, hey, Mike, it's not a big deal regarding Putin's height. It was more about the psychology of a man who would order his army to go out and kill innocent civilians. But in terms of his height, here's a picture, I can't show it to you here, of Putin standing next to Russia's former president, Dmitry Medvedev, who is five foot four? You say Putin is five seven. The photo would suggest otherwise. Additionally, there are YouTube videos showing Putin with his high heel shoes. Perhaps this is the reason for the discrepancy. Nonetheless, I'm not one to buy into Putin's propaganda regarding his height or anything else for that matter. I think he's full of shit. Keep up the good work, Bruce. Well, Bruce, first of all, the reason I found out he was 5'7 is because I Googled the shit. And who knew not everything you find on the Internet is true? I always thought they were always right, always true. But as I look at some of the things you sent me and I've done a deeper dive, yeah, Vladimir looks a little short. He looks a little short. He might be in the range of Prince, you know. Maybe a little taller than Prince, but 5'7 is probably pushing it. Some of the pictures I've seen and some of the videos, yeah, he's he's not that big. And you may be right. The fact that he's small gives him, what do they call that, little man syndrome? <laughs> My wife tries to say that to me sometimes if I get a little head up. See, she's 5'10 and a half, I'm 5'8. And everybody always said to me, aren't you concerned she's taller than you? Fuck no. Who better to back you up than somebody taller than you? <laughs> I get in a fight in the street. I got a partner because she's tough as hell. But you're probably right. Um, Vladimir Putin's probably about 5'3", and he's a piece of shit, and he's a murderous thug. And now that I know he's really short, we'll start making fun of him for that. It's always fun to make make fun of uh, murderous dictators. That's always a good time. All right, let's get to some things that are going on. There's a lot of talk about the possibility that Vladimir Putin is not getting accurate information about the war. Maybe he doesn't even know how badly it's going. Now, that sounds crazy, right? He runs the fucking country. He should know everything. Why would that be? Well, Vladimir Putin is a narcissist, and he doesn't believe that he can ever be wrong. You've run into those people. No matter what you say, no matter what you show them, no matter how you prove it to them, they can't be wrong. We know them better as Trumplifucks, but that's how they are. They can't be wrong. And if you try to make them out to be wrong, then they start freaking out. In my case, when I point out they're wrong, they're, they start saying, well, you're bullying me now. What's wrong with you? Always play the victim. But it's a different situation with Vladimir Putin. He's not interested in hearing bad news or that his army is failing. I mean, in his mind, he can't fail. So the thought of somebody coming up to him and saying, hey, Vlad, look, we fucked up. 
we should not have done this. We fucked up. But because he's so vicious and because he's so vengeful uh, and he likes retribution, he's a vicious murderer, it's reasonable to think that Putin might be prone to shooting the messenger. So who wants to anger Vladimir Putin? It's weird, too, because you got to think at some point he's going to figure it out. I mean, when 15,000 body bags come back to Russia, if they come back at all, uh, he's going to have to ask some questions. And he's going to need some hard answers. And these people are too scared to give it to him. Is that conceivable? Absolutely, that's conceivable. Let's be honest. That was happening in the Trump administration. Um, Trump had bad temper. He had a propensity of firing people at the drop of a hat. Nobody on the Trump team wanted to make daddy mad. So what they did was they didn't tell him certain things, or they even lied to him about stuff. That's why Donald Trump comes out and sounds so fucking stupid. They aren't telling him what he needs to hear or what is the truth. They are telling and reinforcing what he wants to hear so he can continue to feel like he's this superpower mind. They don't want to make him mad. They don't want to upset him. Now, you're probably still saying to yourself, well, that's kind of a fucked up syndrome. I don't believe that's true. Well, if you're somebody of my vintage and you happen to have a narcissistic parent, mother or father, you know it's absolutely true. Because when I was a young man and I had my father, he had a propensity to lose his temper and lose his shit. He wasn't so much physically abusive, although there were days I could tell you some stories, but he was more verbally abusive. And he would say shit to his kids that you cannot believe. Now, at the time, we were young, and we didn't understand how bad it was. But when your father calls you a worthless piece of shit, an animal, all those kinds of things, it scares you. It upsets you. So when you're in that state of mind and you see your father standing there being upset, getting ready to pop a cork and go off on your shit, you will do and say anything to avoid it. I mean, you're a little kid. That's why little kids lie. They don't want the consequences of something they've done wrong. It's worth it to them to lie, even if it's, even if it's a crazy fucking lie, so they don't have to suffer through the fucking consequences. And that's essentially what's happening with uh, Russia, with Vladimir Putin. It's essentially what happened with Donald Trump during his administration. You get these people that lose their shit, and it scares them. They don't know what's going to happen, so they will do anything to avoid it. They will try to change the conversation. They will lie. They will do something. I mean, with me, when I was my father, it was real easy. Because he was a narcissistic fuck like Donald Trump and like Vladimir Putin, all you had to do was make him feel good. You know, make him feel like he's a cool guy or whatever. So I would introduce something that would make him sound cool. And that usually calmed him down. Or I'd do something funny. So he might laugh or giggle, and then I would uh, send him off in a different direction. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'll tell you when I learned that lesson, too, about making him laugh and being able to avoid a problem. When I was very young, I got in trouble with something. 
it was it really probably wasn't a big deal, but to me it was a big deal. And my mom did the same thing that all moms did back then and said, listen, you wait till your dad gets home. Then there's going to be trouble. Well, I knew my dad was a crazy fucker. I knew he was going to verbally abuse me. <clears throat> and I didn't want to do that. I did not want to fucking do that. <laughs> so what do you do when you're like seven years old? You're in some deep shit and waiting for dad to come home. And that's always the worst part, having to wait for it to happen, anticipating what's going to happen to you when you got in trouble. So I did the one thing all kids do. I went upstairs and hid under my bed. Well, at that time, we had a wiener dog. His name was Max. And uh, Max would follow me around all over the place. He always bit the shit out of me, too. But besides that, he liked me. So I'm hiding under the bed. And Max comes in and snuggles right by me. He's scared, too. He doesn't know why, but he sees I'm scared. So he's hanging with me to try to protect me. Because, you know, those wiener dogs are really tough. So anyway, I'm under my bed. My dad comes up. He's got a full head of steam. He's pissed off. He's heard whatever it is I've done. And he's yelling. He's yelling. And he sees some movement under the bed. He said, come out from under the bed. So as I slowly crawl out from under the bed, so does Max right next to me. <laughs> so it's me and Max, the wiener dog, going out scared shitless, and we look up. And all I remember him doing is laughing and then walking out of the room. <laughs> so right there, I knew I had him. All I had to do was make that motherfucker laugh. And uh, henceforth, up until the time I left the house, like about 20, 21 maybe, I, I, I played that game. And it always frustrated me too because my, my, my siblings and my mother never got it. They never, never understood what I was doing. And they never understood that they could do it, too, because they just played right into it and got hit head on with his wrath. But if I was around, I'd try to step in and, and, and guide it away. But they never understood what I was doing. And frankly, it was a little frustrating. <laughs> so we got a bunch of people that don't want to make daddy mad, whether it be Vladimir Putin Donald Trump, my dad, your dad, your mom, whatever it was. There was always a fear of what might come. Now, this is going to cause a lot of problems for Vladimir Putin. If he has no idea how badly it's going, he's in for a serious fucking surprise. And it might explain why he's doing the dumb fucking things he's doing, because he doesn't know any better. But you would think the president of a big country like Russia, he might be able to get some information, information he's not allowing to go to the uh, civilians, but you would think that he would be able to get a hold of that. And uh, for whatever reason, either he knows and doesn't care, or he doesn't know and he doesn't know what he's doing, uh, he's in for a problem. Because now he's seeing... One thing he does know, he expected they were going to go in there and in three days mop this shit up. Well, we're going on five weeks now, and we're nowhere near mopping it up. And there are some body bags coming back. There are some planes being shot down, boats being sunk, tanks being taken out. 
entire columns being taken out. And this has got to fuck with his head a little bit, don't you think? I mean, Jesus, he can't be wrong. He's always right. He's the most powerful man in the world, and so is his army. But they haven't been able to wrap this up. As much as he may not be getting a lot of information that his people are afraid to give him, he's got to know this. But it goes back to the whole narcissistic thing. These people can't be wrong, and the worst thing you can do to them is say, you're wrong. What's even worse than that is if you say, you're wrong, and you prove it to them. Now, you would think they'd fold up and say, okay, you're right, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. They don't do that. What they do is double down, triple down, and they get madder. I learned this from my father. At some point, you had to learn when to give in because he was never going to stop. He wasn't going to stop, no matter how you did it. I remember being like 17 years old, and I was big enough at this point to probably take his ass out if I wanted. He knew it. I knew it. So he was less reluctant, or he was more reluctant to come to me or my brother, who was a similar size. And then he would go and complain to my mother, who was then supposed to come to us and complain to us because he didn't want to engage in a situation that may not go well for him. And that fucked with his head, too. But even still, he would never give up. He would never say, I'm wrong. He would never give in. And it's the same thing we saw with Trump, same thing we're seeing with Putin now. And that's a problem because we've got a war going on. He's first at the border, then he's in Ukraine, and he's fighting, and he's losing, and he's doing all this shit, and he still won't give in. He still won't give up. Now, he's talking about these peace talks, and I mentioned that before, and that's that's interesting that he would want to have peace talks, but it makes sense given the fact that he is losing, the fact that uh, he's running out of supplies, and He's pulling some people back from some areas. He's pulling people out of Chernobyl. Remember when they took over Chernobyl? That was the uh, nuclear power plant that melted down, and it still got radiation there from 36 years ago. The stories I was hearing from Ukrainians online is that this column of Russians came through the area into Chernobyl to take it over because they're smart as fuck. And uh, the people who were running Chernobyl and keeping it stable were pushed out. (laughs) So they come in, and they're acting all tough and shit. And as these people were watching them come in, they saw these dumb fucks are coming right across the area that has the most radiation. What, what, What the fuck are they doing? Well, they didn't know. I mean... Most of the servicemen that are in this war are conscripts, so they're like 18, 19 years old, don't know fuck about shit, or shit about fuck. But what's happening now is they're pulling out of Chernobyl, and you know why? It's because a bunch of these people, a bunch of these soldiers that were in Chernobyl are now getting sick, sick from radiation, and they're pulling them out of there by the dozens. So being smart people, they said, well, fuck, maybe we better get out of here. Yeah, after you've already been exposed to uh, to, uh, radiation. 
So they're pulling out. The people who are running Chernobyl are coming back in. So they're they're pulling out of different places. And people are saying, or well, Russia is saying, listen, we'll pull back and we'll have peace talks. Now, the thing with Vladimir Putin and the Russians, they fucking lie constantly. We've seen it in this war. We've seen it in other situations. They'll tell you one thing and do another. Now, the common thought about what they're trying to pull here is, yeah, we'll pull back. We'll have peace talks. It'll be great. We'll sing Kumbaya. We'll hug. It'll be fantastic. We'll wrap this thing up. But what most people think is happening is they're pulling people back so they can resupply them, so they can in turn come back and hit them again. And that seems to make more sense. As I said with the narcissist, they never know when to give up. They refuse to give up. So that's more than likely what would happen. We know that Zelensky and the Ukrainians are not going to give up any of their land, and we know Russia is insisting on getting at least those two um, independent states in Donbass under their control, among other things. Maripol, they want to get that too because that gives them some line or some corridor that gets them to uh, Crimea. So they don't want to leave there unless they get something out of it. So the idea of having peace talks and uh, having a kumbaya moment isn't likely real. It's likely just a chance to buy them time so they can restock and uh, reload and then come back and do some more damage. We have to see what's going to happen with this. They're carrying on the peace talks, but I wouldn't get too excited about it. So... Our problem here is narcissistic folks in control and people afraid to tell them exactly what's going on. That never turns out well for people. It didn't turn out well for Donald Trump. It didn't turn out well for my father. And it sure as hell ain't going to turn out well for Vladimir Putin. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Okay, as I normally do, I talk too much in the first uh, half. And then I've got a lot of stuff to talk about and not as much time as I'd like. But this is a podcast, so I can make it as long as I fucking want. We'll get through this. People are upset about the rising price of gas, of course, especially the Republicans, and they want to blame Joe Biden about it. Now, since the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine war, the price of gas has risen more than a dollar per gallon. Of course, none of this is Biden's fault. But when you think about all the help Donald Trump gave Putin in preparation for this Ukrainian invasion, you have to lay some of this shit on Donald Trump. I mean, if it wasn't for him trying to weaken Ukraine, try to hold back money, try to make them look bad, try to give them excuses, meaning Russia, excuses to invade Ukraine— You almost have to blame some of this high gas prices on Donald Trump. Just like you had to blame the lockdowns and all the job losses and such with the pandemic. When problem, you see, Joe Biden's a much different guy than Donald Trump. When a problem presented itself to Joe Biden, he didn't say this is a fucking hoax. It'll go away or blame it on the opposing party, like Donald Trump did with the pandemic. What Biden did is he acknowledged the problem, and then he created a strategy to attempt to resolve the issue. 
then he implemented that plan. That's just his fucking job. That's the job of a president of the United States. That's where Donald Trump always got lost. He didn't know that. He, he thought he could do nothing but enrich himself, and everything would be okay. Well, Joe Biden's been doing this a long time, and he understands the problems. That's why we had the COVID relief bill, and that's why that enhanced and boosted our economy. And now he's come up with an idea to help us with the high gas prices because he gives a shit about this country, the people in it, and he knows how to do his job. Now, Joe Biden announced that he would be releasing one million barrels of oil per day for six months in hopes of lowering the prices. Some people say it will have a significant effect on lowering the prices, so we'll see. But here's the important thing you got to remember. A million barrels a day is a lot of oil. But this country uses typically about 20 million barrels of oil per day. So it's a small percentage of what we normally use, but hopefully it's enough to offset what we're not getting or some of the problems we're getting in the stock market and with OPEC or whatever the fuck we're having a problem with. Hopefully that extra um, 1 million barrels of oil per day for the next six months, will help to pull down the prices. Now, the prices have already come down a little bit, not a lot, but at least they're headed the right direction. Joe Biden will do something to affect this and to help this. And uh, the prices will come down eventually. The Ukraine war will be over. Inflation will start to subside, and things will get back to normal. I mean, if you talk to Republicans or some of the trump they act like, oh, we screwed it up. It's going to be like this forever. It's never like this forever. There are reasons for inflation, and nothing that Joe Biden did created inflation. Nor did uh, Joe Biden cause anything to cause our gas prices to go up. The fact of the matter is no president has the power to uh, cause the increase of pricing in gasoline. It's about supply and demand. And we had a supply chain problem coming out of the pandemic. And then all of a sudden, Russia invades Ukraine, and that changes everything. And that's why we are where we are. The important thing here is that at least now we have a president that knows the job, does the fucking job, and actually accomplishes some things for this country. And I'll guarantee you, in spite of the fact that Joe Biden's doing exactly the right thing, He's doing something unprecedented. Nobody's released that many barrels of oil from our strategic reserve. We have a lot of oil there, and we can bring out a million a day for a million barrels a day for six months, and we'll still have a pretty solid store uh, storage of, of oil. Now, the funny thing is, Donald Trump said uh, that when he came into office, that strategic um, supply was down to nothing, which isn't true. It was never down to nothing. And Donald Trump is just fucking lying again. The important thing is, though, that Joe Biden is doing something to fix this, something Donald Trump would never do, and you will see the prices coming down, and ultimately things will be back to normal in terms of pricing for oil. You have to be patient about this. 
All right, so we have this Jenny Thomas and her husband, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas problem. Jenny Thomas clearly was deeply involved with the January 6th insurrection. The facts prove that out. Beyond that fact, there is a sitting Supreme Court justice married to someone who actively tried to overthrow our government. In addition, Clarence Thomas has refused to recuse himself in the cases where his wife may have been involved. This is a serious problem and puts into question the credibility of our Supreme Court. This is a serious problem. This is a problem we've never seen before. Now, I recently heard something that I thought was kind of strange. This person was suggesting that maybe we should have some ethics rules in the Supreme Court. What? We don't have any ethic rules in the Supreme Court? We have it in all the other federal courts. You mean to tell me we have a Supreme Court supposed to be the highest court in the land and we have no policies or rules controlling the Supreme Court members? Granted, they've been uh, put in a lofty position, but they're fucking humans. And they are definitely able to break laws or cut corners or do stupid shit, as Clarence Thomas has proved. But now they're saying, yeah, maybe we better set some rules for ethics in the Supreme Court. Well, that's shutting the door after the cows got out, isn't it? Come on. It's it's fucking ridiculous. And to be perfectly honest with this situation with Clarence Thomas, the only thing we can really do is impeach him. And we're going to have a problem with that because it's like impeaching a president. The House can vote to impeach him and he'll be impeached. But then the Senate... A major or, or a supermajority has to vote to convict him. So that could mean that Clarence Thomas would be uh, impeached, but like Donald Trump did twice, he was able to stay in office because the Senate fucked around. So if you want to try to impeach Donald Trump here's what, or, or Clarence Thomas, this is what you need to do. You need to win big in 2022 and then impeach the motherfucker so you can actually have some consequences to what he's done. Now, the thing is, he should recuse himself from any future trials that involve his wife or organizations his wife is connected to. But no one has the authority to say you can't do that. In fact, If he stops doing it, then it'll seem like he agrees that that was a bad thing and he's never going to do that. Some people think the chief justice can say, you've got to do this. Well, he can't. He doesn't have the power to do it. The only hope, the only hope is that John Robert, the Supreme Court justice, gets the other conservative people to gang up and push Clarence Thomas into a corner and say, you need to fucking do this. And even still, it's not likely that he will do it. I mean, to be honest, um, to be perfectly honest, the way this looks is you have a nominee and you run them through the ringer, making sure they have all the qualifications, they have done all the right things, they didn't get in trouble, they made the right choices, they, they did all the right things. You run them through the ringer, 
And then when you confirm them and put them in office, now they can do anything they fucking want. There are no rules. There are no regulations. That's fucking crazy. That is fucking crazy. If there's one thing we've learned in the last five years under Donald Trump and since, we saw Donald Trump and his administration commit crimes and the Republican Senate protected him. The DOJ protected him. We send out subpoenas and people say, I don't want to come to a subpoena. We've got a Supreme Court justice who is consorting with a treasonist, a traitor. And seemingly there's nothing we can do about it. What this has done is it's exposed how fucking toothless any rules, regulations, or laws are when it comes to people in government. It goes back to what I've said before. Merrick Garland has mentioned, and other people have mentioned, no one is above the law. Well, clearly that's not the case. Supreme Court justices are above the law. Presidents are above the law. Members of Congress and members of the Senate, they're above the law. And who knows who else? We've got a broken system. And Donald Trump exposed it all. And that's a good thing in terms of now we know. But it's a bad thing because now anybody who gets in those positions knows too. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And there is no ramifications from this. There is no accountability or consequences. There's only really one thing we can do to fix what's going on in the court. If we can't get rid of Clarence Thomas, if we can't do that, there's really only one thing we can do. Stack the court. Now, if you don't know what stack the court is, it means add more Supreme Court justices. Even things out. The more chief justices there are, the less power somebody like Clarence Thomas has. Now, there's all kinds of talk about stacking the uh, Supreme Court and how bad it is, but it's not a bad thing. It's, a, it's a, um, a power that Congress has. They can do that. I mean, over the years, they might have started out with, what, five, and then they expanded it, and then they expanded it again. And uh, typically, as the country gets bigger and more and more people are in this country, they make the court bigger to be a better representation of people in this country. So for them to add more Supreme Court justices now isn't that crazy, unless you're a Republican and the Democrats are trying to do it. Now, you flip the scenario and say the Republicans want to stack the Supreme Court, now the Democrats will be screaming about it. The Supreme Court is really having an image problem. And that is a huge problem to this country and the people sitting on the court. We've heard it before. They're concerned about the perception that they might be partisan. And now you've got a fucking treasonist on the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court has no credibility, then they aren't worth shit. And they know that. And they will become weaker because of that. A lot of things we've got to change in this government. And we can't do it in a year and a half. It's going to take time. So what that means is you need to start voting for Democrats in 22, in 24, and beyond. And hopefully, they'll have enough integrity to get those things done. 
But I'm not absolutely convinced if you give ultimate power to the Democrats, they will do the right thing. They are doing the right thing now because it's the one way they can beat the Republicans. But if they have all the power in the world and there isn't a strong Republican Party, which is conceivable in the coming years, then uh, who's to say they might just back off and do what they've done all the time? That's why we need to get as much stuff as we can get done today. Um, and as soon as possible, because we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what to expect out of the Republicans. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. We don't know what to expect out of the Democrats down the road four or five years from now, especially if they hold the majority in the House and the Senate and in the uh, Oval Office. Now, at this point in time, with all that's going on and Donald Trump and the Trump fucks and all that stuff, we've got to strive for that. But it's really going to be a test to see what the Democrats do when they have that kind of power. Will they still do what they believe and what they're telling us now? I can only hope so. But the only reason to vote for the Democrats is because it's way better than voting for the trump So we'll see. You know, we always hear about these radical right anti-abortionists ranting, raving, threatening, They'll even blow up buildings or assassinate people. And all the while, they'll be quoting the Bible in their holier-than-thou rhetoric. They will say they are doing it to save the children. Then we hear a fucked-up story like this. A woman by the name of Lauren Handy is one of those anti-abortion activists. She lives in Washington, D.C. Now, the police were tipped off about possible biohazard problem in her home. So, of course, the police had out. When the police showed up, what they found was, now fucking listen to this. This is what I mean by fucked up. In this anti-abortionist house, what they found was five fetuses in ice coolers in her home. What the fuck kind of sick shit is that? I mean, really? These people want you to believe that they are fighting for God and saving the children, when in fact they don't give a fuck about anything or anyone. All they want to do is further their radical right agenda. Fuck these people. Some of the most horrific things we hear are coming out of the radical right. And I'll be perfectly honest. I'm afraid of anybody who's radical about anything. Certainly, I'm afraid of the radical right, but the radical left makes me a little nervous, too. I think if you're radical or are obsessed by anything, you're a little off. Most people could be more in the middle, maybe more to the left in some, more to the right, but in the middle where it's kind of normal. When you just go off the fucking rails and are ranting and raving and ready to fight and spew conspiracy theories... I'm sorry, but you got a fucking problem. You got a big fucking problem. So, this is what they find in an anti abortionist house. It's fucking disgusting. These people, these people that are the rabid anti abortionist, are fucking horrific people. They're not godly people. Not according to my God, anyway. They are fucking horrific. They are Satanistic in the things they do. And then they justify it with the Bible. That's what makes them the worst of all time. 
I don't know what they're going to do with this woman. They're going to have to find out where these uh, fetuses came from and then find out what possible laws were broken there or what was happening. I got to think having five bodies of fetuses in your house in fucking coolers probably is an infraction. I don't know what kind of sentence that requires, but there definitely had to be a fucking law broken there. Last thing we're going to talk about, this is kind of an important thing. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. So the House of Representatives voted on a huge issue today, a huge issue for a lot of people. The House voted yesterday to lower the price of insulin, capping the price at $35 a month to the user. Now, I have type 2 diabetes. I don't take insulin. I take metformin or whatever the fuck I take. It's not a bad problem. It's under control. It's fine. I'm going to be fine. Um, But there's a lot of people I know that are dependent on insulin. I have a niece who has type 1 diabetes. She got it when she was very young. So insulin is absolutely crucial to her. She's a young woman. She's married. He's a young man. They're trying to get by, do whatever they can. Fortunately, right now they have health care, but they still have to pay some for the insulin. But for those people who don't have health care and have to pay for the insulin, we're talking like 1000 a month or whatever. That's just cost prohibitive for almost anybody. That's almost a mortgage payment for a lot of folks. So how are they expected to be able to afford that? Problem is, is if you can't afford it and you don't buy it, well, then you fucking die. That kind of thing should not happen in this country. We're not a third world country. People who need medication to survive should be able to get that medication. And they should be able to get it without going broke in the process or having to choose whether to eat or pay for their housing just to get the insulin. Now, what's interesting is this is in the House. It passed. Now it has to go to the Senate. And that's always a dicier situation. But here's the funny thing about this. Remember the Build Back Better bill? In that bill was this same situation lower prices for insulin. Now, a lot of these Republicans that wouldn't vote for Build Back Better said, you know what? We like that insulin part of it. We'd vote for that. But the rest of the Build Back Better bill, fuck that. We aren't. We don't want any of that. So we're voting against it. That was their excuse to vote against the cheaper insulin. Now, they said we're all for the insulin thing, but the rest of the stuff we can't agree on. So we're not doing that. So now this comes up for a vote in the House of Representatives. Now remember, the Republicans said they like this insulin part of it. But the way the vote came down was all the Democrats voted to pass it. Only 12 Republicans voted to pass it. All these other motherfuckers said they thought that was a a good part of the Build Back Better bill. We'd vote for that if it wasn't for all the other bullshit. Now when they break it down to one thing and they have a chance to vote on it, what do they do? Ah, nah, we don't really want to do that. I mean, it's kind of like Mitch McConnell and and, uh, Lindsey Graham saying, yeah, I'm not voting for Ketanji Brown-Jackson for the Supreme Court, even though they voted for her nine months ago. 
It's all bullshit. It's all about owning Democrats. And when they do that, they're hurting each and every one of us in this country. Now, here's the thing. We've got a lot of Democrats who suffer with diabetes, who need insulin. But I got to think there are a lot of fucking Trumplifucks, red meeting, red meat-eating pieces of shit down south that have diabetes too. And they probably don't make a lot of money. And if they don't make a lot of money, they're running into the same problems that the Democrats are running into in as far as trying to afford insulin to simply stay alive. So the question is, how are these Trumplifucks going to react to that? And you know the answer. I know the answer. Even though it's not good for them, it hurts them. They're going to say, yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to own the Democrats. They'll fucking kill themselves just to be right. And that goes back to what we were talking about with the narcissist, sociopathic, pathological pieces of shit. There are some people you can't negotiate with. There are some people you can't reason with. They don't get logic or truth. And these Republicans that thought this bill or this part of the bill was a good thing, and now all of a sudden they think it's a bad thing. Since when is diabetes partisan? It's not. Just as many Republicans as Democrats get diabetes. Just as many Republicans as Democrats can afford these ridiculously priced medications. So with this concept of putting a cap of $35 a month on insulin for users, guess who's not for it? The insurance companies. Well, of course they're not because the money's going to come out of their pocket, just like they don't make enough money already. So they're screaming about it because they're going to have to cover the remainder of the amount of the insulin. But here's the crazy thing. I'll bet you this happens. These users, these people that need insulin, have been paying ridiculous amounts of money. Now they're going to cap it at $35, and the insurance company's going to have to pay the rest. What do you think they're going to fucking do? They're going to go to the manufacturers with all their money and all their power, strong-arm these motherfuckers to drop the price, which they can do because they're gouging people at this point. So the prices will come down. Insurance companies won't have to pay much. Now, if the insurance companies had just done that in the fucking first place, we wouldn't have to go through this thing. If the insurance companies were actually protecting the people they're charging to protect them, if they went to the people that make insulin and say, listen, this is a little fucking outrageous. We want to do something good for our people. So bring that shit down or we're going to strong arm you. But they don't do that. They're happy as hell that it costs whatever it costs because they're going to take it out of your hide. But the moment they're going to have to pay for it, you can bet they're going to go to the manufacturers and they're going to try to change this up a little bit. Make the pricing on insulin a little more reasonable. So fuck insurance companies. I never trusted many insurance companies. I've had some good ones. I've had some bad ones. And the manufacturers... What they're charging for medication is horrible. The fact that they're letting people die 
because they simply can't afford to get the medication they need to stay alive is a travesty. It's an atrocity. And it's being inflicted on this country by legal companies doing it in a legal way. And that should just not be. As I said, we're not a third world country. There should be no one in this country wanting for medical attention. That should be the very least that this country provides to its people. And I know I'll argue with people about, about um, medical um, medical care, and they'll say, you can't do that, you can't let the government run it because they'll just fuck it up. Why does everybody want free shit? Well, unfortunately, in this world, we don't get any free shit. We pay a lot of taxes. We not only don't get free shit, we don't get the attention from our representatives that we should. The first job of every government is to protect its citizens. Now, I know in their minds they're thinking about wars and police and fires and things like that. But more people die of disease and not having medication than all the people that die in wars and uh, police departments and uh, crimes and fires and that sort of thing. You don't get to pick and choose what you do to protect your citizens. If that is your charge as a government, you need to fucking do it. And people's health falls under that category. I don't give a fuck what you say. That's exactly what it means. And until we get people to understand that and press the issue, we're going to be continuing to go through this bullshit and trying to beg, borrow, and steal just to get medications that we can fucking afford. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for spending time to listen to me. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and you can leave me a voicemail. I hope you have a great day. I hope this weekend's going to be a good one. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.